She looked up at him and called, Hey, good morning. Her bright brown eyes shone with joy, accenting her pert little nose, wide smile, and nicely defined chin. He should have kept his eyes on her face, but the blue top clinging to her breasts and the jeans outlining her perfect bottom drew his gaze downward until he'd taken in every feminine inch of her. Irritated with himself, he nearly cursed. Why had he hired someone so cute? A glance at her mountain of gear only increased his ire. Obviously, she was all wrong for this job. He reined Jez a few feet ahead of the car and growled, What are you? Too late. Sophie ducked into her back seat again, and Jeb stopped talking. Not only was she providing him with a jaw-dropping view of her backside, but also there was little sense talking when his conversation partner couldn't hear him. He waited patiently, ready to ask her just how much junk she thought she could get into a small suite of rooms. But when she pulled out of the back seat, baby in her arms, the words he'd intended to say fell out of his head. He was, for the first time ever, speechless. She smiled at him. I'm sorry, what did you say? He stared at her, then the baby. The kid was small, but chubby, healthy, with pink cheeks and a thatch of thick black hair that poked out in all directions. The only thing that came out of his mouth was, What are you doing? She frowned. You said move in, today, so I can start working tomorrow. Did I misread your instructions? Apparently, since I don't remember telling you to bring a baby. Oh, she laughed. This is my son, Brady. She kissed the little boy's cheek. Say hello, Brady. The baby cooed and gooed, and Jeb's heart stuttered in his chest. Willing back the swell of emotions that threatened to overtake him, he simply said, You can't have a baby here. Sophie kissed the baby's cheek again. Why not? The agency said it wasn't a problem. The employment agency told you that you could bring him? Yes, when they explained that this job was for a live-in housekeeper, I told them about Brady and they said it was no problem for me to bring him. I gave them the exact opposite instruction. I said, no kids. Somebody's head was going to roll. What difference does it make? She asked cheerfully, before she ran her fingers through her baby's unruly dark hair, trying to tame it. I'm not working 24-7. Only eight or ten hours a day, and not all back-to-back hours. You said that on my interview. Since my work requires feeding you supper, which takes us past five o'clock quitting time, especially cleaning up the dining room and kitchen after you eat, you said my days are pretty much my own. I can organize them any way I want, and that means I have plenty of time to care for Brady. I can't have a baby here. Her expression hardened. Her shiny brown eyes turned into laser beams of steely determination. The laughter was gone from her voice when she said, Mr. Worthington, 
Obviously, there was a mess-up at the agency. But that doesn't mean we can't make the best of it. Jezebel danced from foot to foot, a clear sign that Jeb's agitation was transmitting itself to her. He took a breath and spoke more calmly. I don't want to make the best of it. I have clients coming. Jezebel danced around some more. Jeb tugged lightly on the reins, knowing he had to get her to the stable before he could finish this conversation. Don't move. I'll be back. He rode Jezebel into the stable, slid off the saddle, and tossed the reins to a hand who was mucking stalls. Take care of her. With the anger in his belly churning into hurricane force, he strode outside again and to the driveway. Sophie Panazzi stood beside her vehicle, her child sitting in the plastic basket there.